Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening and welcome back to uh, the Wolverine Live. This is John Borden with Tom Crawford. And we're going to be talking a lot of Michigan basketball tonight. Uh, and, and a different, a very, very different night for uh, Michigan basketball when it's playing Michigan State. Tom Crawford first uh, say hello to the folks. You know Tom. He's here every week. He's on uh, Fox 47 with Press Pass. He's got his own podcasting network and uh, just really delighted to have you here with us tonight, Tom. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's great to be here as it all. It's an honor to be on here, John. And it's like uh, just, uh, you know, speaking of uh, Press Pass, so on Sunday night, it was Jack and Rico Beard and myself, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and just civility just just you know just you know covered the entire show 
I mean, it's like the rivalry thing has been put aside at least for a little bit. And that's what you had in the pregame and everything leading up to Michigan, Michigan State, which is so unusual. And we know it it was all about the the events that happened up at Michigan State and the tragedy there. And what you had coming out of Ann Arbor was a great deal of kinship and compassion and and the the sense that we want to be extremely sensitive and extremely respectful in this time. You know, they bathed that uh, Chrysler Center in green and you heard the Michigan pep band uh, play MSU Shadows. uh, And it was just, you set the scene because as someone who kind of lives a little bit in both worlds, Michigan graduate, and uh, resident of East Lansing, stone's throw from uh, the Breslin. And uh, to tell us what what that meant, I guess, to you in knowing how contentious and bitter this rivalry has been. Well, you know, it felt I felt at peace in the rivalry, and that you know, based you know, you, you think back to last October, uh, the Michigan Michigan State game, um, the tunnel incident, and just this you know, raw feelings between each other, even prior to that for a year, uh, going back to D'Antonio, it's just kind of been building up, if you know what I mean. But I, I think the University of Michigan just, uh, and I, I know a lot of Michigan State people, they're all around me. I got a, a daughter and a, and a wife who are Michigan State alums and, and uh, a, a neighborhood of faculty um, mm-hmm. right near campus here and a lot of friends who went to Michigan State, a lot of friends who attended classes at Berkey Hall. So that was really jarring to them um and it was like um wow we're all on the same page we're all unified um going into that game walking into chrysler john you know you know me in michigan michigan state i mean it's the most important event athletic event for me in football basketball than any any uh any other athletic event but i went in there with not not so much indifference i wanted michigan to win obviously but i wanted i wanted a a, you know a civil uh you know, atmosphere. I wanted an emotional atmosphere. And I think that was, that was like, I don't know how Michigan does that green light. All, everything was green. And, and the Michigan band, give credit to the Michigan pep band, you know, pep bands or bands, um, you know, for football games, you play the fight song of the other school, you know, during your pregame, um, paying homage to your, to your rival, but you never play the alma mater of the other school and Michigan, mm-hmm. My understanding, learned this in a couple of days, MSU Shadows, which is one of my favorite alma maters, and uh, I, they crushed it. I mean, I was thinking uh, that's a Michigan State band down there. It was it was an amazing rendition. And uh, Izzo was overwhelmed. I talked to a lot of Michigan State folks that I know, uh, including Matt Larson, um, now others. Um, they incredibly appreciative of, of the University of Michigan. So... We put the swords down, and uh, but when that ball went up, uh, it was intense. I thought both teams played hard, and uh, finally, finally, um, like the the double clutch, uh, Kobe Bufkin, the shots that hasn't been going in all year. You go to Virginia game and other games, Indiana game, uh, but that that three ball won the game. Let's be real, because Michigan then goes down, gets a stop. And then uh, Hunter from a tremendous dish from Doug McDaniel hits that three at the top of the key and it's game over. You're shooting free throws to finish off. So it was a great night in a lot of ways. 
Yes, absolutely. We're going to talk a lot more about the game. I want to hang on to uh, this sense of civility for a moment because, you know, you and I are close enough to it to, to understand that there are knuckleheads on each side of this thing. Yeah. That uh, from from the Michigan side, you probably had people out there saying, "Oh, they should never, you know, bathe Chrysler Center right. in green," and and people on the other side saying, "You know what? That this, you know, they're not sincere in this. This is yeah. just this is just uh, virtue signaling and everything else." Yeah, grandstanding. But, yeah, grandstanding. But here's the thing. Um, whatever you do in life, there are going to be people who question your motives. You can't worry about that. You got to do the right thing. You've got to, to step forward and um, not worry about the, the worst, most cynical elements on the other side. And I think Michigan went forward with that. And all the many, many great people on the Michigan st state side um, were, as you said, greatly appreciative of this and expressed it and said, boy, this was, this is really, uh, this is really special. Yeah. So, and those, those are the only people that count in my mind, John. I agree. I agree. About, you know, last week on our podcast, uh, typically for Michigan, Michigan state game, I'll, I'll get a, you know, I do a Richard Ralford, the former Michigan forward and the time big 10 champions in the mid 80 and, and we had Carlton Valentine, but Carlton Valentine knocked heads with Rich in the in, in the mid 80s mm -hmm. uh, and, and they're friends. And so we got into this dialogue and, you know, those guys were buddies. I mean, yeah. they're doing that when they competed, but they were playing in the Sandy Sanders, you know, those basketball tournaments and things in Ann Arbor. And the, they're running each other all the time. The Michigan guys would come up to the Sensations Bar up here and, and hang out, you know, with Michigan State guys. Players to former players. Uh, and, you know, I talked to Michigan State former players, talked to Michigan former players. They got respect to each other. The people that don't that disrespect each other are some, and I mean some, fans from both sides. And right. I'm sure this happens in other rivals who who don't have the, the right proper perspective on life and sports. I mean, you're, you know, I mean, these, these are people that never played the game. These are people that, that didn't put on the green and white or the maize and blue that are, that are, that are more, you know, just tied into it psychotically than, than even the, even the players. And I, and uh, I used to know Judd Heathcote when he was alive and, uh, you know, Judd was a, was a funny, cynical guy, um, the former Michigan state basketball player. And his great quote was the game eventually makes fools of us all, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think rivalries with emotion uh, does that, but, Fortunately, uh, what happened, uh, you know, uh, priorities came into place this past week and and uh, doing things the right way and bonding together as unified state of Michigan two great public universities. I, I, I think it was I think it was terrific um, in that regard. Horrific what happened. But the silver lining is there is a unification, I think, at least temporarily. So my question then becomes can both sides carry this beyond one? <laughs> we know it fell yes. because of the circumstances and because of the timing of the game. Can it can it be carried forward by the better elements of both sides? And that that I wonder about. Now it's perfectly legitimate to criticize 
um, the other side for something that goes past what uh, what you'd like to see goes over the line when when Michigan State players uh, 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 get out of line and attack people in the tunnel when when Juwan Howard takes a a, a swipe at another coach that mm-hmm. that's fair game and but what I'm talking about is this um, just this animus this vitriol that seems to be non-stop and ever escalating in this series can we take a step back from it for a little bit great question first of all um i i think it can be done but it's going to have you know this is where uh, quote-unquote leadership has to come into play and when i talk about leadership and um i'm talking about uh you know, when Mark D'Antonio was at Michigan State, um, some of his comments to Michigan, including, you know, in 2007, can we have a moment of silence? And then what that led to mm-hmm. moving forward and then the Mike Hart situation and then the back and forth. Um, and then more recently, I mean, Jim Harbaugh, um, following the, the tunnel situation, it was perceived up here that he played too strong of a role of judge and jury right after that game. Now I you know you and I were in the presser and um and I didn't know any of the facts at all and um but I mean he did come on strong and you know so my my uh, to answer your question I I think next fall and you know on October 21st we're not going to know how this rivalry goes until October 21st of 20 of 2023 when what happens then Michigan comes to Spartan Stadium okay yeah. and the foot if you think basketball has venomous animosity, in fact, football is at the top. Let's be real. Right. I mean, I mean, Michigan State people hate Michigan football going back to Bo Schembechler. So, and Harbaugh to them is Bo Schembechler, you know. So, um, how that whole atmosphere leading up and all that, that I'll, I'll answer that question after, after that week, after that game, uh, to tell you where we're at, because I don't think we're going to really know until then. I think that's fair, but I, I guess the best anybody can hope for is to remember how that game was and the in the spirit that went into it, uh, regardless of the outcome, and and do their best to carry that forward. The people that aren't committed to this uh, this mindset of everything the other school does is wrong, and I am going to attack it. Uh, yeah. I. I don't know how much hope there is for those folks, but you've got a lot of um, reasonable people on on both sides that maybe can play a, a bigger role in uh, tamping down some of the uh, the harsher emotions. Yeah, let's yeah. Go ahead. Quickly, one, another caveat. You know, you're talking about two schools, 60 miles apart. And the other element is you have a school that both teams are relevant in both sports, mm-hmm. in college football and college basketball. They're in sure, the hunt, sure. okay. You go through the you go through the nation right now. There's not too many school, too many rival schools that have the two sport rivalry level of uh, of uh, of winning that Michigan, Michigan State both have. I think that adds to it. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, you know, let's let's uh, turn our conversation now towards the uh, the competitive basketball end yeah. of this thing because for Michigan. Uh, on a night where it did everything right in the um, 
in the areas surrounding the game once it took the court, it, it looked like it might be a, almost a wire-to-wire Michigan State win. And then all of a sudden, when it comes time to finish a game, which Michigan hasn't done with any kind of consistency this year, it did exactly that. You get Kobe Bufkin with a, a crazy good uh, three-point shot, re- kind of gave a reminder of Stu Douglas up at uh, the yes. Breslin. 2011. Yeah, and a dagger, and, and you you just said, okay, we'd almost written this team off as a team that can't finish, but all of a sudden it does. Talk about this game from that aspect. From okay, this is who this team has not been. Can it be going forward? <clears throat> you know, um, in the post game presser, uh, Juwan was standing right behind Kobe when he had that double clutch shot. There's, we're, we're under two to go. The game's tied, and he, and he, uh, you know, it's kind of had to recoil on that shot. And and Juwan says, "I just said, please go in." And you know what? The basketball guys had one coming to Michigan because this has been <laughs> this has been a year of misfires at, at at critical stages. So that was bound to happen. I mean, I ranked that up. I mean, Mark Lozier hit a shot against Michigan State in 1978 uh, up at Jenison. C.J. Kupek in 74. I go back historically to some of these shots uh, and and the Trey Burke steal against Michigan State and then what you mentioned, Stu Douglas. There's there some big-time moments, and, and Kobe Bufkin really nailed it. But, you know, when when Michigan State, and early in the second half, I mean, they had an eight-point lead in this game, I think, uh, or six or eight-point lead, or they had an eight-point lead in the first half, six-point lead early in the second. And I they led for 25 of the 40 minutes in this game. Yeah. And I, you know, when it was knotted, I thought, well, maybe this is this is going to be the time. But, you know, it's almost like you got to see it to believe it. But the Buffkins, the Buffkins uh, shot, obviously, then they got to stop. And Terrace Reed with his ten boards and his just sheer presence out there, making plays and, and discombobulating Michigan State's offense. That's a bad matchup for Michigan State in the pivot because Matty Sissoko did not play well. He played twenty minutes. He got two boards. He did that, that, you know, and I mean, if I was Michigan State, I'd sit him down and go small and bring in Malik Hall. But that's another story, another team. But I, I just think that Terrace Reed Jr. was magnificent this game. And when you have two bigs like that, that causes problems to a team like Michigan State. Now, when Jet Howard got hurt, I thought, wow, this is going to be tough. But in some regards, um, I mean, Michigan galvanized, I think, after that injury, stepped up, guys made plays. And they won the game. Uh, that was a huge win for Michigan Saturday night. There's no question about it. And as you look at this graphic that we have up now, you you see another element of the victory for Michigan because you're talking about a freshman point guard that did a little growing up in this game. 18 points for Doug McDaniel, 6 for 10 from the floor, 5 for 6 at the free throw line. He was a very, very significant part of the, all this for Michigan. Talk about the impact that, that you felt that he made because uh, that this could be a turning point for him. He's had some good games before, yeah. but this was uh, this was backs against the wall time. Yeah, I talked to teammates uh, today on a podcast of Gary Grant. Gary Grant was a starting freshman guard for Michigan in the uh, 84-85 season, and he was, you know, he was like the general right from the start. He was a guy that had leadership skills. 
I think Doug McDaniel has developed leadership skills. And I, I still can recall a few weeks ago, Jed Howard talking about Doug McDaniel. It's saying, you know, admirably, this, this guy is a leader. He's a fellow freshman that come on, but he's a leader of a team. And it showed. And I talked to uh, Doug after the game and, you know, his smile ear to ear. I mean, he was he is very, very confident. He does not feel like a freshman anymore. He feels he knows how he doesn't get tired. He says he played almost 39 minutes in this game and he seemed to get another gear going on late in the game. And he made that big that big assist to Hunter. I thought that was huge. But the glaring stat to me of all stats, though is a 38-25 rebounding advantage. I mean, this was Michigan coming off that debacle at Wisconsin where they got out-rebounded by one of the worst rebounding teams in the nation. You're talking about Wisconsin getting 14 offensive boards, the Michigan's eight. And they had a conscious effort in those practices, according to Juwan, I asked him this question specifically, that, that we had to eat glass. We were going to rebound. And Michigan, it was everybody to the glass. And it wasn't just Terrace Reed, but Kobe's getting, I mean, Doug, I mean, Doug McDaniel, I mean, Kobe got like five rebounds. I mean, they were, they were 50-50 ball type rebounds. And if they can do that, uh, sustain that for 40 minutes, I mean, they, they got a shot at winning some of these games, maybe not all of them. And they're probably not NC2A tournament bound. But uh, this, was a, this was the best half of the year. I mean, there's not anything close to the second half performance, in particular the last two minutes in that game. No doubt. And uh, it has also generated a little talk again. You talked about Terrace Reed, but the Terrace Reed-Hunter Dickinson combination yeah. and the problems that poses for other teams. Uh, yes. your, your thoughts about that. Do you, do you like seeing that out there? Well, you know, it's, I mean, there's going to be growing pains with that. I mean, Ter you know, Terrace is getting better at the free throw line, you yep. know, and he banked one in, whatever it takes, you know, <laughs> but um, because he's going to get fouled, but he has, he has an incredible amount of, uh, of confidence. Um, and, and, you know, Tom Izzo recruited him pretty hard. And then for some reason backed off at the end, uh, initially they were coming at Terrace. They, they, Michigan went, Michigan State went really hard after Kobe Bufkin. And they're still lamenting that uh, and didn't get him. He went to Michigan. But um, I, I'm just uh, I'm huge on Terrace right now. I mean, I, I, why not? I mean, really, I mean, yeah, I mean, the backs are against the wall. They're probably not NCAA tournament bound. Why not experiment with this thing and see where it goes? At least, you know, give Terrace 25 to 30 minutes in this game. Now, I, don't, I don't know what situation is with T. Will. And I don't know the situation with Jed Howard. I mean, both have injuries. And that will dictate a lot. But regardless, regardless of what their status is, I hope he, uh, Terrace gets more more than 10 or 12 minutes, but gets into the high teens or in early 20s in terms of minutes that he got against Michigan State. Yeah. And speaking of a team with its back against the wall, speaking of a team that, uh, as you said, uh, seems like a long shot to make the NCAA tournament, uh, it's also a team that finishes with three of its final four games on the road. Yes. And you look at uh, at Rutgers, home against Wisconsin, at Illinois, at Indiana. Is there any way that uh, <laughs> Michigan could steal more than half of these final four games and, uh, and maybe once again grab some attention? I thought you were going to say, is there any way they can run the table <laughs> and get to, uh, you know. I'm not going was, there yet. 
That would be 13 wins in the Big Ten. You know, if they ran the table, and, that, you know, I don't know why I'm saying this, but, I mean, if they did run the table, it's so far-fetched, but they'd probably go to the Big Ten tournament in the tournament because you've got, you know, three quad ones between Rutgers at the rack, at Illinois, and at Indiana. And think about Indiana. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis announced that he's, gonna, he's leaving after this year. That's his senior day. Okay, he's going to do that senior day thing. Yeah, uh, and Bloomington is a tough place to play. You got out Illinois, who's playing well. Uh, let one slip away against Indiana, and then and then it looks like Rutgers is back on the track, and they are at the rack, which is a hard place to play. Good defensive team. Yeah, I mean if they grab one of those, I'll think that's not bad. I think Michigan's going to beat Wisconsin. So uh, in essence, I think they could go eleven and nine. I think they might grab one of those last three that I mentioned at Rutgers, at Illinois, at, at Indiana. I don't know which one, but I think yeah. they're good enough to grab one and then beat whiskey at home next Sunday. That takes them 11 and nine. Um, that puts them at, you know, three over 500, I think going into the big 10 tournament, they probably have to get to Sunday, if not win the whole thing to get to the NC two way, depending on who they play. But um, it's, it's that quad four loss to central John. That was a deal break. I mean, to build up the equity, that the, the damage that that loss cost. My God, Michigan almost lost to Ohio U a couple weeks prior to that at home. Um, they got to get a better start next year and, and, and not have this happen again. I agree they do. And that, that the loss to Central is a killer. But they had, they had so many chances to uh, ameliorate some of the damage done there at Iowa, at Wisconsin, Indiana at home. There's so many games that just Virginia. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's not, I wasn't even talking about the, the, uh, the, the non-conference schedule, but you had set, you had several opportunities there, but just in the big 10 alone, Yeah. you know, it's, it's those close ones that, uh, that could have, really changed the narrative on this team. I'm with you. I don't think that they, I think the best that they're going to do is 500 uh, over the last four games of this regular season, which puts their back squarely against the wall uh, going forward. It it would be a, one of the biggest stories in college basketball, if Michigan was able to turn the tide and, uh, and, somehow some way make the tournament uh let's put a percentage on it tom crawford the uh tom crawford's percentage that michigan will make the ncaa tournament this year well i mean it's like uh what was the year in 2017 when the plane went off the runway in washington dc and uh they went they had to practice jerseys and they ran four in a row i mean maybe it takes this is gonna take some kind of a climatic moment uh in time i you know the percentage of them um, in the NCAA tournament, I'd, I'd put them on uh, optimistically about 20%, one out of five. Uh, because, you know, I've seen stranger things happen in the Big Ten tournament. Iowa has done this a couple times. They've run the table and won four in a row. Michigan's got nothing to lose. Michigan's got talent. I mean, Michigan has six, player, or six players on their team who are top 100 players, okay? Wisconsin has zero players in the top one. Michigan's talented, and maybe – Maybe this Michigan State game is a defining moment where they can mesh together and 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 they and get to realize being physical helps. And uh, and then the the thing you mentioned earlier about the terrorists 
read the Hunter Dickinson experiment and, you know, trying to, you know, run that one a little bit longer and see where that takes us. I mean, but I, one out of five, I mean, what do you think? Well, we're right on the same page. And uh, I think we spend most of the time there, uh, unless we're talking about, say, non-conference football schedules. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but we, um, I was thinking very much um, less than 20%. And you said 20%. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it is. It's one of those deals. It's one of those seasons where I think they will be looking back and saying, Oh, if only, if only this hadn't happened, if only that hadn't happened, if we hadn't let the that Iowa game slip away and Indiana, that's a game we should have won at home and those sorts of things. And um, and certainly kicking yourself uh, in the head for not playing better against Central Michigan at home. And, and the admission after that game is that they did not get Michigan's best effort. Um, that's an indictment. And that's also, it has to be a, a real lesson learned going forward for the Doug McDaniels, for the Jet Howards, for the Kobe Bufkins, the younger players on this team, that uh, if, if they're all back and they have a chance to, to move forward and be the real leaders on next year's team, that they have to take that and, and turn it into uh, something positive for the future because uh, right now it's it's a real uh, shadow over this particular team unless they make the kind of run that you and I are are saying that probably isn't going to happen. Yeah, well, you know, John, if this is the difference between now and say ten years ago or pre pre transfer portal days and and um, you know guys leaving early and I mean. <laughs> who knows what this makeup of this lineup is going to be next year. I mean, we can all be excited. Yeah, this is great. They're getting Doug's getting experience. That's cool. Kobe's getting experience. I mean, I don't know what this team, I, I can't even, I can't even fathom what the roster is going to be. I'm thinking Jet Howard's going to leave early. I mean, if Kobe keeps rolling the way he's rolling, I mean, the NBA is going to be calling uh, in terms of, of, of throwing out, um, the uh, expectation of where he might end up in the draft. And if he goes, if he's projected for first round, is he going to at least test the waters and go to the combine? Probably. And then you also got situation with Hunter Dickinson. What's, you know, Hunter, is he going to be a four-year guy? Is this going to be completely old school? Um, because he's not even projected to be drafted. And so what's he going to do? Is he going to leave early, go overseas? I mean, if everybody came back with the right attitude and, 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 you know, benefiting from this experience of, of, of what not, you know, how to start the season quicker. And I mean, they could have a really, really good team next year, but you don't know. And we probably won't know till May. And that's the crazy part of college basketball right now, John. And it's also why John Beeline's an executive in the NBA and probably <laughs> not still coaching uh, Michigan yes. basketball, but yes. John Beeline, by the way, who made an appearance uh, yes. at uh, Chrysler Center on uh, Saturday, along with his 2013 guys who uh, created a lot of March excitement. Uh, before we switch gears into a little bit of football, your your thoughts on, uh, on seeing that crew again? Well, you know, it was interesting because um, at halftime, Michigan was down three. And I, I, I think Michigan fans at halftime – at least the people that I went and visited some folks at halftime, some friends of mine, and 
uh, it was like we're, we're lucky to be down by three. You know, mm-hmm. it could be worse kind of thing. And Michigan wasn't. And then they played much better in the second half. And it's like I had this feeling that, yeah, when they announced John Beeline's name, everybody's like, come back, John, we want you. You know what I mean? Because, you know, when your team's struggling, uh, the head coach is a recipient of the critiques. And uh, I, we got as a seat getting hot and blah, blah, blah. And so, but I thought, you know, I think this is really important when you bring some of these teams back. And, you know, Trey Burke, I didn't go to the to that press conference. Um, I think that was before the game, was talking about he'd love to have his his jersey up there. And I think number three would be worthy of it. I don't know what the criteria is. You you go to some of these other basketball arenas and I, out here in Michigan State, you see a lot more retired jerseys than at what Michigan's got like four or five. Um, not that many. And and I would think Trey Burke would be, uh, you know, would be a consideration, but it was great to have them back. That was such a fun team. I still, I still think of that clean block. Michigan could have beaten Louisville. Michigan should have beaten Louisville, a, a title that's been vacated since. Yeah. Uh, that one, that's the one that got away. The 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 eighteen, you know, I mean, we knew that that was going to be that was a daunting task of beat, beating Villanova. I felt the same way when they played Georgia in football this past or last year. That this is a little pie in the sky here, but Michigan could have beaten Louisville. Uh, they had them, and it just it slipped away. Um, that one's going to still hurt. I mean, that's 10 years ago, and that's crazy how time flies. Yep. Best clean team in the nation and uh, no trophy to show for it. Yeah. No, no banner, uh, at least uh, at least a national championship banner. Well, let's uh, – let's. we got a, a few minutes left. We're going to move over to football uh, because, as we have often said, football season never ends. This is not a question directly about spring ball, but it is a question uh, about football and about one of the topics that was kind of uh, hung over the entire last season, the 2022 season. Uh, there, there wasn't much to criticize in that season um, on an overall basis because you obviously beat Ohio State again, you won the Big Ten again, you made the playoffs you know, certainly we can talk all day long about what happened in the playoff game, but that's not the topic for today. What, what I want to know is uh, we watched a team all year long that has gone back to the, um, I don't know, kind of slug them out uh, Michigan football of yesteryear and, uh, and runs it all over the place on people. But now it, it has uh, a passer that, got people excited with his legs and his arm in J.J. McCarthy. Uh, You know he can sling it around. You know he can throw accurately. Uh, What we saw, though, is more often than not, J.J. McCarthy handing off to, uh, you know, 250 yards rushing, 300 yards Mm -hmm. rushing, you know, a buck 50 passing, uh, something like that, 11 for 12 uh, performance through the air. My question is this, do you think, and we won't know this in spring ball, we won't know this until you hit that season in the fall, but do you think that Michigan will make a more concerted effort to throw it earlier in games, throw it more often in games, so that when they uh, get to some of these shootout games where they really have to – uh, throw it early and often to hang with 
a TCU in that type of game, uh, that they will be at the top of their game in that sense? Well, uh, you know, I hope so. I mean, there's another caveat that's really nice about Sharon Moore. You got one coordinator. You got one offensive coordinator now, which I think is a good thing. You know, and I don't know how the dynamics of that worked last year um, as far as having the co-coordinators, but it's good that Throne is is the guy. And however that works, that dynamics works with Harbaugh, I don't know. But, yeah, I want, you know, I'd like, I mean, the predictability of Michigan has been going on for decades. You know, run, run, and then throw on third and eight, whatever, third and seven, third and six. Um, I personally, you talked about the running game, and I know people get – freaked out about this having your quarterback running the football but I I I think that JJ McCarthy is such a downhill threat uh runner uh in that RPO that that should be part of the equation when you're talking about running the game that it it didn't seem like that happened uh as often as I thought it would happen and and now he did in the second half against TCU and that got Michigan's uh offense revved up but I think the RPO where the J.J. McCarthy keep the ball option is 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 helpful on offense. And then throwing the ball, maybe not on first down, but at least on second down, um, should be, you know, mix it up. Try to be, you know, predictably unpredictable. And, and, you know, when you have an offense that can threaten you both ways, run and pass, and you have a quarterback whose legs threatens the consciousness of the linebackers, you know, well, we got to, you know, you have to put a spy on this guy because he can hurt you. Uh, that's a hell of an offense if you can do that. So I'm, so I'm hoping to answer your question that there is, there is more assertiveness early in the, you know, early in the downs, if you will, first, second down, you know, in the down and distance situations uh, because you have the tools. Now, the receiving core, you know, and I think spring ball is going to flesh this out. I mean, that's still, uh, I mean, you've talked about linebacker, you've talked about corner, I've talked about wide receiver, is, you know, who's going to be the guy? Who's going to be the go-to guy when Michigan does have to throw it in the end zone um, in deep in the red zone? Who's that guy? Is it a tight end? Is it a is is it a wide receiver? Is You know, is it a slot guy? I don't know. Is it a Mario? Where's the Mario Manningham, Derek Alexander guy to make those plays, Braylon Edwards? And that remains to be seen. Yes, I agree with you there. And uh, I would say this with regard to turning it back to J.J. Uh, McCarthy running the football. I don't care to see him run it one time during the non-conference, given uh, <laughs> what Michigan's schedule is again, yeah. simply because uh, I think, you know, I don't I don't they don't need to take that risk. They're right. going to go undefeated. And. and Big Ten games that you're going to win by four touchdowns, same thing. Yeah. Pick pick your spots. Run it when you need it. I, yeah. I would much rather see J.J. McCarthy work on throwing the ball all over the field in uh, in those non-conference games yeah. and in the early part of the season. And and who cares if somebody says, oh, you're running it up, uh, you're throwing the ball against the teams. You know what? They have got something to work out so that uh, – so that you're not going to get a pick six early against TCU. And so that you know uh, that you're going to have a high level. And especially, you know, you think about the changeover in the receiving core and some of these freshmen that are going to be now sophomores stepping up 
that uh, have to, the, the Amari Walkers of the, the world that have to uh, be the guys that step in for the Ronnie Bells and uh, become the, you know, six, seven, eight hundred yard uh, pass catchers that you know that they're going to be well established when uh, when you get to that point. So uh, good points on your uh, on your end of it, certainly. And I know you love the rushing attack um, and I do as well. My uh, my question, my I guess my final question for you, and we can play off of this a little bit, but you've got, you know, Blake Corum coming back. You've got Donovan Edwards coming back. Are you are we looking at 2000 yard rushers in this uh, coming season? <laughs> well, well, that non-conference slate will probably add a lot of, uh, you know, yardage, if you will. Um, possible. I don't know. I mean, that is going to be an interesting combination of how they play that out in number of of uh, carries. I mean, is, I don't think Blake Corum's going to be this 26, 30 carry warrior like he's been in the past. Mm-hmm. And and Donovan Edwards, you know, he he deserves. I mean, look what he did when Blake went down. I mean, Donovan Donovan played well. I mean, think of Donovan Edwards in the Ohio State game and those big breakaway runs. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's going to be interesting how they manage that element of, of, of distribution of carries and keeping guys healthy. You know, Blake Corum got hurt, and I'm not saying fatigue caused that, but he carried a football a lot of times heading into that Illinois game, and sometimes you wonder is it finally just the parts start wearing out and, and, and you're vulnerable. One back thing I want to add, though, I'm, when you're talking about receiving core, Darius mm-hmm. Clemens, remember him in the spring game? He's sure a tall is. receiver. He's about 6'4". We thought, hey, there's the guy. There's the guy. The big receiver, Adrian Arrington type guy that we can, you know, you can throw the ball to on 50-50s. And I hope he's the guy, uh, because of his length, could be, you know, could be the one that goes to the top of the heap at the receiving court. They've got a few that uh, could contend for it. And uh, Darius Clemens certainly is one of them. Um to the point of uh, the thousand-yard rushers, I will say this, and I will make a prediction: If the two guys that we mentioned, the two at the top of the heap right now, if if both of them stay healthy enough to miss no more than two games uh, individually, I think you've got two one-thousand-yard rushers in yeah. 2023. Just because. Um, this is a team that has the potential. You know, you've got a really good base of returning offensive linemen. You've got those transfers that could potentially plug in. You've got younger guys coming up that uh, are just itching for the breakthrough there up front. And uh, you've got two really good backs. I think this team is going to rush for between 3,000 and 3,500 yards in the coming season. And I think two of those uh, thousands are going to come from the top two guys. So I, 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 I agree with you. Um, and I know we're running out of time, but I mean, are we going to talk about the Jesse Minter, you know, 800 pound elephant in the, in the room here or not? Well, <laughs> go ahead. Lead, well, lead I mean, right I, into that. I mean, I, you know, Michigan's defensive coordinator, um, I saw was interviewing uh, for an NFL job with the Eagles. And I'm thinking, Where's, you know, all that continuity we've been, you know, you know, marveling about how great everybody's come, all the players are coming back and Harbaugh's coming back. And um, that could be a huge void. I mean, what what do you think? I'm asking you. I'm, I'm 
I'm, 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 I'm steering the ship now on you, John, on the Wolverine Live here. I got to ask you, what do you think the chances of that happening? I'd like your opinion on that. And how big of a boy will that be? Well, I think it would be huge. I think it would be bigger than uh, what we had the last time around when Jesse Minter came in because you hit, you went from uh, one Baltimore Ravens uh, defensive guy coming in and then kind of tapping off to Jesse Minter, who was well-grounded in the same system. I don't think they've got the next uh, Baltimore Ravens guy uh, ready to to jump <laughs> ship and and come to Ann Arbor. And, okay, it's your turn. Yeah, Ravens. And, you know, pipeline. you you really don't want that kind of disruption. Now you know guys are going to interview. You know guys are going to have opportunities, um, but you would really hope that I would really hope that for a second straight time when uh, Michigan has had a defensive coordinator after one year they wouldn't yeah. uh go and 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 jump ship uh, hopefully if you're a michigan fan you're you're saying okay this you know go out and talk to people build your resume you know have another interview on the resume but to come back and and get this done i, I certainly jim harbaugh has shown the ability to go out and get somebody really good but i think in this situation, he had the advantage of tapping into his <clears throat> his brother's pool of of defensive guys two times in a row, um, and so I think it it might be a little tougher to get someone who would have bring that continuity and uh, achieve at that high a level again right off the bat. So you know you. Continuity is huge to me in a college football staff. Uh, if it happens, then you start to cast more question marks on it, and then you start to have um, that discussion that we have had all too often. Okay, does the offense have to carry this defense for a yeah. while? And, and yeah. the defensive guys, you know, using that as <clears throat> motivation to get fired up. Uh, we'll we'll see. We'll you know that is kind of the elephant in the room at yeah. present. Um, and we'll see how that plays out. We will be talking plenty more Michigan football. We will be talking about uh, Michigan basketball, the road warriors in three out of the last four of the regular season uh, going forward with Tom Crawford. Tom, thanks for joining us tonight and always appreciate your level-headed and passionate <laughs> insights. Passionate, level-headed. I like that. That's the best thing I've heard all day about me. So uh, <laughs> appreciate it. Always an honor to be on the Wolverine Live. John, look forward to next Tuesday. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. 
Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York.